Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is a special bonus episode, and we have a great guest that I'm excited about interviewing. This is Billy Epperhart, uh, and we are, man, excited. I'm so grateful to get to be in his presence and interview him and uh, learn so much and glean so much. In our private conversations, I'm picking at so many things I can learn, and I'm excited to bring that to you today. So, Billy, welcome to the podcast. Glad Thank to be you. here. Looking forward to the time we're going to spend together. Great. His bio is in the uh, description of this. So however you're watching this, either on YouTube or uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever the stream is, his bio is there because there's a ton of stuff on there. Uh, but the big thing I want to frame this conversation is that, Billy, you are in nonprofit, mm-hmm. you are in for-profit, right. and you're also in, you know, kind of this this small little organization called Andrew Walmack Ministries, yeah. where there's like, what is it, 1,200 students uh, in Karis. and. Right. What, how many staff members? Well, there's... worldwide, we have about 1,100, 1100 employees. Is, okay, see, and yeah. worldwide. So, yeah. Billy's worldwide. kind of a big deal, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I'm excited to get to learn so much from you and for the listeners and viewers to, to learn so much. So, again, kind of give us just a short version of your nonprofit kind of space that you work in, the for-profit space that you're in. And then any anything you want to connect that to Andrew Walmike's Ministries as the CEO. CEO yeah, everybody. and so I, you know, the my my, my part time job, uh, Jacob is my is of course the CEO of Andrew Walmike Ministries, Caris Bible College, and we have another brand now called Truth and Liberty, which mm-hmm. is really just taken off. Mm-hmm. But also, I have uh, that is in Woodland Park, Colorado, primarily, and of course, it's that mm-hmm. ministry is worldwide, one of the largest uh, ministries in the world now yeah. of any type. And so, but also I have uh, two nonprofits in Denver, which is about an hour, hour and a half away from Woodland Park, where Andrew Walmart Ministries is, called Wealth Builders, and that's a that's a nonprofit. And then I also have uh, microfinance uh, lending that we do through the other nonprofit called Tricor Global. And so those are two nonprofits we have in Denver. And then in addition to that, I have a couple of for-profits. One of them is actually an investment company, an RIA, a registered investment advisor. And then I also have, in addition to that, we uh, we have a coaching program mm-hmm. that we have to run on the for-profit side that's done primarily in real estate. And so uh, and then there's a couple other little things to go with that, but I'll just finish with that and we'll <laughs> go from there. <laughs> so the number of industries that you touch. Yeah. Uh, so with with uh, in your nonprofit, you're in finance, so you're in right. that industry, real right. estate industry. Right. Uh, and then coaching nonprofit That's education. You got yeah. your education. You're just touching was that six, six industries all at the same same time. Well, you know what's what what's exciting is when you get as old as I am, right? <laughs> Hopefully the good, bad, and the ugly, right, has contributed <laughs> to you being able to do multiple things yeah. if you want to. I did retire at one point in my life, been been quite a few years back now, and I retired at around age fifty. 
And um, I realized, and my wife realized that wasn't good for me. So here I am today. <laughs> and you didn't even slow down. And to boot, you also at one point in time were a pastor of a church. That's right. And so I think I think I never saw in the beginning, of course, the mm-hmm. confluence, you mm-hmm. know, and I call it congruence. So, mm-hmm. but the confluence of really all the different experiences the Lord would lead me through, truthfully, good, bad, and ugly. I mean, yeah. there's I made a lot of mistakes, right? And um I got a few things right here or there, but the truth is the grace of God, right? Mm-hmm. Brings you and pulls you up. And today I'm I'm kind of, as some people call the phrase, living your best life. I'm probably <laughs> living my best life. Uh, so it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll hit so many different areas. And so I don't have a, a continuous stream of just one question after yeah. the other. I just want to kind of hit some of these different categories. One of the things uh, that you were talking about in one of our conversations that we had with our campus pastors is uh, internal conflict you were going through transitioning from pastoral leadership that in that day that was honored and hallowed as like the real job is pastoral ministry, but marketplace ministry um, and leadership in the marketplace was almost looked down on in that. And you were going through internal conflict and making that transition and uh, I imagine there's many listeners who are on either side of that. They're either in marketplace uh, leadership that have a sense or a call into church or nonprofit work, or vice versa. There's many in church nonprofit work that have a calling or or are are sensing that that draw towards marketplace ministry, and uh, they don't know how to handle that conflict. Right. Um, so, what would be some things that you would suggest to someone kind of in the middle of that conflict? Well, I think in the day that I that that began to happen in me, you know, quite a few years back now, um, there there was really a hard line between the sacred and the secular, mm-hmm. and you basically didn't cross the line. As a matter of fact, if you were, say, a bivocational pastor, which which I never was in the sense of where I made my living till later, mm-hmm. when I began to to you know go into real estate investment primarily, there were some other things as well that I did, but. But so there was this almost uh, rejection in some sense from the sacred side, the ministerial side. Mm-hmm. But I think the greatest chasm that I crossed was is I realized that is that I had a good understanding of the gospel of salvation, but I really did not have a good understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. And when I began to understand that the gospel of the kingdom actually uh, allows us to go into the different seven mountains mm-hmm. uh, that are out there. And and, um, and one of my good friends is one of the ones who actually came up after the original folk, Warren Cunningham and Bill Bright, came up with the seven mountain type concept. There's mm-hmm. been others. but And we stayed up. It's been quite a few years ago now. I stayed up one night. And I really, all of a sudden, the revelation of the kingdom, what, what, mm-hmm. what you know, the Bible says in the, in the last chapter of Acts, it says that, Paul went to them talking about the things concerning the Lord Jesus and the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, I saw I'd been talking to a lot of people about the Lord Jesus, but I hadn't been talking about the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so when I began to to do that, it allowed me to see the kingdom as being pervasive, not just a hard line between Mm -hmm. the secular and sacred. Now, there's a whole lot more to say about that and a whole lot more scripturally to use for that. but uh, But that really helped free me up. And I still got rejection, you know, yeah. from a lot of people. And, of course, today I never saw myself actually back then in the roles I'm in today. But that was the Lord directing your steps, yeah. you know, the, the Lord direct. And he directed me during those seasons of time. But it was tough at times. Yeah. 
in in that challenge and you say being tough at times what were the what were maybe some maybe we can call them milestones maybe they were revelation maybe they were final nudges from the holy spirit that that made you cross that threshold to to take a step of faith step out of pastoral ministry and into to marketplace ministry which i mean you've touched back into nonprofit work but sure. that that original threshold of crossing that to letting go of one and holding on to the next what were maybe a or a couple milestones or thresholds yeah. that you crossed to get to that point? Well, I think my, my greatest challenge, and I didn't realize it, was my identity. Mm. What happened was I identified in a certain role in a certain place in my mind mentally, and, and it, took a, it took a real journey for me to, you know, uh, really walk away from. Like I, I talked about last night, every real change begins with an ending. Mm -hmm. And so I had to allow that ending to happen in my life as my only identity as being XYZ, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. right now we're talking about ministry. And I began to see that I actually had an identity crisis when I walked through that. And so I, so the, when Jesus said, you know, you, if God's going to give you new wine, you have to give God a new wine skin. I, that part of that new wine skin I had to give to God was the actual identity change in my mind of what was the Lord really saying to me? Yeah, and and here and here's what's really cool about that is that is that uh, it, when I begin to transition in that identity, it's really who God called me to be. Yeah, you understand. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to be what somebody else had called me to be. Mm. And but when when you become what God really calls you to be and who God says you are, your identity begins. So your identity is not only who who we are in Christ. But, you, but the, of course, that's your primary, that's foundational identity. Right. But then what is it God's called you to do? What, you know, what, where has God placed you? What kind of roles does God want you in? All of those things, that stream, those streams come together to bring you in the, at my age now to bring you into the place where, where I am today. So it, it took a, it took a while to cross a couple of those bridges in my head to give mm -hmm. to God the wineskin I'm in today. Yeah. So Identity was yeah. a key aspect. Mm -hmm. Like a, I hear that as like a pillar. Like a, a, that that pillar had to get secured. Absolutely. Um, and then you had to change the way you think, not just about identity, but about calling or Absolutely. mission and God's call in your life. So that'd be another pillar mm -hmm. that would be in your the that framework would be new wineskin. You had to, that's changing your mind to to find your identity in Christ and then be comfortable or secure in what He's called you to. Now what. Uh, I'm thinking of this in two categories, so I'll ask it from two different directions, especially to those who are young. And you, anybody can categorize young in whatever age they think that is, that they're, they're stepping out in faith, maybe an entrepreneurial endeavor or maybe a transition into organizational leadership. And because they, they believe they're stepping into God's calling in their life, an expectation of immediate success Mm -hmm. that success should follow calling immediately. Yeah. How would you encourage that person who might be facing failure mm -hmm. or um, or might be facing a slow success, a lot slower than they thought, mm -hmm. and they're questioning whether or not that was God's call? How would they now, how would you counsel someone to navigate well, that challenge? Well, I, I, that's a great question, and I appreciate that. I, I think what happens is most people don't understand is that before you emerge into what your calling really is, you first of all have to be submerged. Mm. So what some people think of as, well, my failures or things mm. didn't work out or I'm not as successful as I thought I would be, uh, which which <laughs> that happened to me a lot, right? <laughs> well, what I learned in that process, and I can't, I, I can't tell you I was all there in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. It took me a while. 
But looking back, what I learned in that process was that when you when you go when when you get submerged, that it's like the seed going into the soil, mm-hmm. and the Bible calls us the planting of the Lord. So what happens a lot of times when you're young is you want to emerge and you want to be kind of out there. Sometimes that is a recipe for failure yeah. long term, mm-hmm. right? But if you're submerged and you, the seed goes into the soil, the soil does a couple of things. The first thing the soil does is it provides moisture, it provides warmth, it provides nourishment for the seed to be able to grow. But what a lot of people miss when we talk, when they say, well, I wasn't successful or mm-hmm. it hadn't happened as fast as mm-hmm. I thought it should, what happens is the soil also does one other thing it sits on top of that seed. And it, it requires that plant to get enough strength to break through the soil so that when it comes out into the sunshine and the rain and the wind, all of the elements that are out there that it, that it comes into, it gives it the, it offers it not rejection, but resistance. Mm. And so that resistance sometimes looks like failure. That resistance sometimes feels like failure. It feels like I'm not succeeding, but what God's really doing during that whole season of time is he's developing character in you. And I think most people, Jacob, do not have a lifetime perspective of the calling of God. That best case, they have a seasonal perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's much better if if you can start seeing. And so I like to say it this, you first of all kind of merge into the calling Mm because the gifts and calling God about repentance, then you have to go submerged. Mm -hmm. You have to learn faithfulness. You have Mm -hmm. to learn consistency. And then the Lord allows you to come out of the soil and you become emerged. And as you emerge, then you begin in the submerged phase, God's working in you. In the mm-hmm. emerge phase, God is working through you. Mm-hmm. And then there's a what I call, so there's submergence, mm-hmm. emergence, and then there's this convergence. And that convergence that you come into is when all those streams of your life come together. And then that's when you come you know, hopefully later, yeah. probably for most guys, that's probably after 50. Not that I'm putting the time sure. limit on it. It's just if somebody says, well, when is that? Well, most of the time in your 20s and 30s, you're you're submerged or yeah. halfway in your 30s. And then you begin to emerge. I, I would say at 30, you probably start emerging some yeah. kind of a, and then probably after 50, there's this, there's this convergence that mm-hmm. starts happening. It takes a while yeah. uh, in order to get there. So that's where you have to have, Having a lifetime perspective yeah. of what God is really wanting to do in your life. And so work on that. Pray, you know, pray about that. Because the Bible says the purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters, mm-hmm. but a man of understanding will draw them out. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of times when you're younger, you don't, you don't understand and see things from a lifetime perspective. So if you can start seeing that, I never saw myself as, as a CEO of Andrew Womack Ministries or doing anything like I'm doing yeah. in that context right. today. But all along, I look back and yeah. I see how God's hand was in that. Yeah. How has, would you say that mentors for someone young would be a critical role in, in elevating that perspective of lifetime? Absolutely. And so you need to get with people that you can trust. And, you know, we were talking before we began the podcast about, you know, and you were talking about the importance of listening and mm-hmm. how you had learned to listen. And I think for me, uh, I was blessed uh, with people who came into my life. I had two really strong business mentors early in my life, very strong. I mean, really good. Now, I'm, I'm not going to tell you they were totally sanctified, godly men, but I will tell you, they understood business, Yeah. period. Yeah. I mean, and money and finance. And so they really impacted my life. But then on the ministry side, spiritual side, I had three primary mentors in my life 
And every one of them, I haven't used this phrase in a long time, but every one of them did not hesitate to jerk the slack out of me, <laughs> as I say, when I was younger. And they would uh, they would crack the whip. and But they did it because they loved me. Sure. And they understood what I needed to go through. So I was blessed having those kind of mentors in my life when I was young. And it took me a while to learn to listen. I mean, it you know, I, mm -hmm. I finally realized, man, these guys do know what they're, yeah. I, I need to listen. And so it helped me a lot. Conflict is not something... Conflict and tension is not something that a, a lot of people uh, value. It's what most people avoid. But as you're putting in the context, it was actually an expression of love that these mentors in your life were causing conflict in you by either making you aware of issues or incongruencies in your life or just, I mean, for lack of a better term, disciplining you. No, absolutely. And they did. And I think, you know, here, here's the key. They love me enough to be rejected by me. Mm. And that in itself was was a was, was a sign of their maturity and their love yeah. toward me in the sense that okay you can get mad at me you can think whatever you can I remember one of them telling me one day you can think I have an agenda but I really don't okay yeah. I'm just trying to help you I'm trying to get you to see the whole picture and I was always thinking in my mind oh they have an agenda they're trying to get something <laughs> from me and uh, but but after a while I finally kind of woke up it took a while yeah. for the Holy Spirit to get to get a hold of me but I finally woke up and said man you need to, you got two ears and one mouth. Right. So listen <laughs> twice as much as you talk. Yeah. And so I, I started doing that with them and it really, really changed my life, really helped me tremendously. I think that's it's rare now. I don't know if at one point it wasn't rare, uh, but I can say that yeah, at least in my adult life, it's rare that people know how to express love in that way. Right. Uh, to cause that conflict and tension and to be willing to be rejected for the sake of truthfulness and and help and love. It actually is service and serving someone to point it, point these things out or discipline them. From another perspective, um, someone who might be a bit older and for a lot of their career has played it safe or uh, haven't taken many risks and are sensing that conflict again to take a step of faith, maybe in an entrepreneurial endeavor or um, a transition in, in leadership. Um, what would you say to that person who uh, has maybe decades of a career played it safe, but now feel God calling them to take a big step of faith out of that into something risky. Yeah. So first of all, I would say, do it, you know, pray about it. And, but, but if you're really feeling led to do it, you know, when they, when they, whoever they are out mm -hmm. there, whenever they do surveys of people who, as they get later in life and they look back and say, you know, what are your biggest regrets? Most of the time, what comes out in those conversations is I didn't, I didn't try this or I didn't try yeah. that. I wished I would have. I thought the risk was too great. And so what I say to people is that life is risky. Life is so risky. You're not even going to get out alive. So you're going to, so, <laughs> so life is full of risk, right? Yeah. And so the, I think the issue becomes is that people take the risk and then it, they're concerned that it won't work. But what I would say to them is, is that the, is that the greatest risk is that you fail. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest risk. And so they say, well, that's a big risk. Well, not necessarily. It depends on what you learned in that failure. Yeah. It depends on how you use that failure to move forward in your life. And and I can tell you that failure will give you a brand new perspective mm. of things in your life. So what you have to do is make sure that failure does not become your identity. Yeah. And as long as you can work through it and keep it in its proper perspective, then if you're, let's say you've had a successful career, you want to take a risk and you want to do something different in your life, 
The other thing you have to realize is there's going to be some key learnings that you're going to need in your life as you move through that. So as long as you're willing to learn, even if you fail Mm -hmm. and you, you grab a hold of those key learnings. And so, you know, they, you know, you you can read the illustrations of how many times George Washington Carver experimented with the pyramid, uh, with the peanut, what he came up with, or how many times Thomas Edison did, you know, Uh 900 and, 9,999 times on the light bulb, but on the 10,000th time he got it to work. So that's really true, though. I mm-hmm. mean, it's really true that you learn by failing forward mm-hmm. and you've got to move forward. And if you don't try something, you don't know. Yeah. Right. You have no idea. And so I encourage people to take risks. Now they can take calculated risk. Yeah. Right. And they can understand where they are, but uh, meaning where they are personally. But I think the issue is, is that risk allows you to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have, t- in fact, just let me say this, if I have, I don't know, I will during the leadership sessions, but I have a, one of those I might talk about where in Matthew chapter 25 in the parable of the talents, mm-hmm. the message Bible, mm-hmm. When the master came back to the one with the one talent, he says, he said, uh, more or less as Billy's paraphrase, I can't believe you live cautious. I can't believe you live so cautiously like this. And he said, get rid of this play it safe person. That's what the message Bible (laughs) says. And give it to the one who risked the most. That's exactly what the message Bible says. Give it to the one who risked the most. And so I think the people that are really, I think I risk, but some of these guys you see, that have made billions now, the risk they take mm-hmm. is unbelievable. People just don't know it. They only see yeah. the success side. Mm-hmm. They don't realize what they went through to get there. Yeah. Wow. As someone who has five kids, mm-hmm. at least one of them is a little entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one or two have more of the the personality and framework for organizational leadership. Yeah. Whereas one is a bet the farm risk it all. Yeah. Uh, type <laughs> yeah. Child. I have four grandsons. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, how how would you counsel me as a dad yeah. to um, encourage that? Uh, not not just the entrepreneur, but but all of them. But encourage them. And uh, how 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 what would be ways you would advise me to? allow them for safe failure while they're young yeah. uh, and help them grapple with That's a failure question. and loss. Well, you know, Proverbs 22 and verse six, I think it's in the Amplified Classic Bible. It says, train up a child in their unique bent, mm. their unique bent. You know, the, the, the King James basically said, tra- train up a child in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. When they're old, they won't part from it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Amplified Classic says, train up a child in their unique bent. So I have four grandsons and I have two of them that are more, they're going to do the organizational leadership side that you're calling. And the other two are definitely going to do the entrepreneur side. They, they'll risk the, the whole thing. So, yeah, I think you have to coach and relate to them differently mm-hmm. and then celebrate who they are in that uniqueness and the calling of God and create an environment mm-hmm. as a parent or grandparent, create an environment for them where they can flourish instead of making everything easy. Right. Yeah. But sometimes I'm guilty of, so sure. I'll admit that, but, but uh, it's easier for grandparents to do than parents. That's correct. Yeah. Parents have to create the, the different. <laughs> We're a little more prone to that's right. cause the tension. No. And, and you should, because I think that's how in the same way, the soil analogy, right. Mm-hmm. Parents have to offer that resistance for yeah. their kids to grow healthy. Yeah. So I think you can celebrate their unique bent and, and God gives us the wisdom as parents to be able to know what that looks like. Um, I'll remember that. Thanks. <laughs> I got I, well, my daughter. She, she, uh, she's always got a, a business plan that she's yeah. crafting and I've been wow. slowly showing her how to start piecing together a business plan. And yeah. she, her latest idea is, uh, to, uh, uh, to breed dogs. Oh, and wow. she, she researched like 
the four top earning breeds. Wow. And then like the different price thresholds, like entry-level price thresholds yeah. or max dollar thresholds, created a budget uh, for kennel, all this kind of stuff. And like part of me is just like, what are you doing? You're going to waste so much of my money. Uh, and then part of me is like, I don't need her to, to feel that sense of like her parents don't believe in her. So, uh, so we're, I'm teaching her how to take her energy and put it into a little more order so that when she takes a risk, at least it's a calculated risk. Oh, that's, so. that's great coach. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this wealth builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, You'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.